economist, blogger, and founder of interest-free currency, the Florine, Anthony Meagles, joins me once again. In this episode, Anthony's going to update us on the latest developments with the Florine and how we can use interest-free currencies to reclaim our sovereignty. And now the international bankers use economic hitmen to enslave entire nations through debt. This is Eyes Wide Open with me, your host, Lawrence Eastman. As always, don't forget to subscribe and follow me on Twitter. Anthony Meekles, friend of the show, welcome back. Great to host you. Thanks for coming on. Good to see you again, Lawrence. Yeah, you too. How is sunny Holland at the moment? Uh, typical Dutch winter weather, very pleasant, cold, blue skies, sun, so uh, exactly as it should be. And actually, um, we had some skating ongoing here in the Netherlands uh, a few months ago uh, for the first time in years. And then, well, skating is obviously uh, as quintessentially Dutch as you can get. So uh, that was nice. Okay, so climate change has arrived in Holland, does it? I mean, isn't isn't calling it Holland um, politically incorrect now? Isn't it the Netherlands? <laughs> the people are crazy. I, I, I've said Holland since I was a little kid and everybody... Uh. Holland, so I say Holland, but I, uh, true enough, I mean, everybody needs to say the Netherlands now. But. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Well, uh, welcome back to the show. La our last podcast that we did, uh, must have been about six months ago now, uh, was really well received. It was, it was, lots of people enjoyed it, took a lot of value from it. And I know that people got in touch with you about trying to look into establishing their own currencies, because what we talked about in that podcast we talked about the current financial situation. We talked about usury, which is a very arcane subject. It's vital subject. And it's not spoken about very many places. And you're one of the, the key experts who understands usury as good as anyone. And we gave a good in, in introduction to, to usury in that uh, conversation. And you also discussed and told us about your own interest-free currency as a counter to the usury system that we're in at the moment called the Florine. Great name. Took me a while to be able to remember how to say it properly, but I think I've got it down now. And uh, you introduced us to that. So I think today's conversation, I'd like to kind of pick up on those topics and develop them further and just have a general conversation about, um, you know, the things that we're into and we like to discuss and I know you've got some great news about the Florine itself. Um, so give us an, an, an update on, on what you've been doing, Anthony, and since the last time we spoke. Well, in terms of the Florine, yeah, the Florine is really booming. Well, yeah, booming, that's, uh, that's maybe a big word, but <laughs> it's really growing very rapidly at the moment. And uh, we're getting uh, unbelievable feedback from people. And um, one of the things we've been launching the last few weeks is where, where, did, where did it put it is our paper money <laughs> let's have a look yeah where have you got it stashed wow right? look at that yeah, that's well, amazing yeah. man just move it over a little bit there you go wow look at that one yeah that's 20 florine 50 florine fantastic and um we, we have one two five ten 20 and 50. So let me complete this, uh, this, uh, this bunch here, this collection. Uh, Cash is king, hey? 
cash is king, man, and uh, people want uh, anonymous transactions. Eh? That's that's why this is really very important, and uh, and it's of course very concrete and practical, and uh, something that you can uh, show and touch. And uh, people have been, you know, they they love it. So uh, that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm and I'm, I must say I'm related with these bills myself. Uh, they've been created by a very reputable. Uh, designer bureau and Amsterdam guys who really know what they're doing and uh, we have a very nice theme of, uh, of these uh, for instance I can just show you I mean uh, this is five Florijn uh, oh, oh, hang on uh, all these all these wow all these bills are um, uh, around the theme of uh, crafts mm-hmm. the basic crafts that the, the people work every day yeah? so uh, this is care so this is a hairdresser and uh, here you see a pedicure on the back Mm-hmm. A family business, hey? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed, pedicure business. That was my father's business, and um, but um, so so each bill. And this is the, the one Florian is about farming. In the back, you see. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, crafts is the the general theme, and then every bill has its own theme, and uh, which is expressing you know the people working because that's what it's all about. I mean, uh, we've we've been discussing talking about usury and uh, how that is is the essential nature of uh, capitalism, really, and uh, that um, uh, in our economic construct, um, people produce. That's that's the masses. Uh, that's that's the honorable way of making a buck. Uh, but uh, you also have this making money with money stuff huh? so um if, if you're rich you just can put money in a bank and take usury you can get into landlordism you can go speculate on uh, on the stock exchange and and you create an income without producing anything so there is a, a redistribution of production ongoing there and and that's how the masses are kept in uh, in poverty in long working hours uh this is how you create plutocracy where the rich rule instead of uh the people who produce and this is the very nature of capitalism so um our money is interest free and it's and it's it's really all about allowing people to produce and then consume their own production instead of financing the 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 the, the conspicuous consumption of the very rich so that's tell us a, a little bit tell us a little bit how, how the florine notes work because i know you mentioned there about having an anonymous transaction there's no third party involved, is there, when we exchange cash? Nobody knows what the exchange is other than the parties, and it should be that way. It's a private transaction between the parties. So how does the Florine work in, in, in uh, you know, on a cash basis? How do people get the cash? How do they use it? How do they trade it? Um, where is its value coming from? Um, well, you know, the basic uh, mode of operation of the Florine is that you basically uh, go to a website and open an account. Uh, and uh, once you do that, you can uh, pay with uh, your smartphone. You can pay uh, with online transactions. Soon we will also have webshop uh, integration. So uh, pe- people with webshops, small and medium business with webshop, webshops can uh, allow you to pay with um, either the banking application here or PayPal or Florin. And, uh, and, and then since, uh, since uh, recently cash. And um, how does it work? Um, you can buy some Florin on our website for uh, one Florin is one euro. So um, everybody knows what a florin is worth always. And um, then you can buy a florin for 95 cents. So that means that you get a 5% discount on everything that you pay. Mm, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I, 
out on uh, everything that you pay with uh, with Florijn, which is obviously an incentive to pay with the Florijn. Eh? I mean, uh, we want people to pay with the Florijn, and uh, this is an incentive. And um, then once you have a Florijn in your account, then you can uh, fill in a form and uh, say, uh, send me, uh, for instance, 100 Florijn, and uh, then, then we send you the Florijn on, on our costs, and uh, you receive it within a few days at home. So, so people who sign up to use the Florine, businesses, um, private citizens, is they will um, sign up and say, okay, I want some Florine. They purchase it off you for 95 cents for every one Florine. Mm -hmm. And then they either receive a digital account with the Florine in or now, fantastic, you've actually got the cold hard cash show me the money um and and then they can use that in other places that have also joined the system of the florine but they exactly. can't use it outside of that system it's a you know it's a members only yeah so I, yeah. Uh, people people can voluntarily decide to um accept florine and uh, they have a very clear incentive to a small and medium business uh, have a very clear incentive because uh, it, it provides new turnover because it's the same as with uh, all sorts of, you know, for instance, air miles or whatever. Why do why do businesses accept air miles? Because people will uh, be able to spend them there. And, and this means that they look on the membership list and then they go to, to, to that outlet because that, that's where they can pay with their air miles. So there's a very strong customer loyalty function there. And that's mm -hmm. what also offers but it's uh, far more because uh, air miles of course very crappy money i mean uh, it's very expensive provides no uh, credit etc but the florine is really intended as a high-end means of exchange so we also provide interest-free credit to businesses i'll talk a little bit about that uh, next but um, so um, we have a very high-end uh, means of exchange with with all these different means of payment eh? so uh, what i was just saying cash and online payments smartphone zoom webshop integration but we are also um for consumers and businesses um we uh, provide interest-free credit to businesses uh, also to, to private people but also to businesses um which is very important because um, there's going to be huge liquidity scarcity we'll be talking about the coming crunch but uh, there will be liquidity scarcity in the economy in the years ahead so uh, we can provide extra liquidity where it matters most at the base of the base of the economy the rich are never short of money lawrence but um the common people are so um yeah, that's why we want to have a cheap new money that does not redistribute to those who hold money. I mean, yeah, that's it. You made a re few really interesting points there. One that stuck in my mind was the idea that money should be cheap. It seems like a paradox, doesn't it? Money should be cheap. But um, by making it interest free and making it extremely liquid, is that how does money become cheap in that sense? Well, usury is just a huge, uh, involves a huge amount, amount of money. I mean, um, in, 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 in Holland, we have a, a 700 billion economy and, and I think about a, uh, the banks take in about 100 billion in usury per year. And that's only the direct cost because all the other uh, making money with money uh, garbage that is ongoing builds on usury and all interest bearing loans. For instance, if uh, people go to a bank to uh, to acquire a mortgage, about a third of them in here in Holland, we have a fair 
a fairly large percentage of the population uh, who buys houses. So um, 70% of the Dutch um, have a mortgage, basically, or own their home. But most people are, of course, uh, stuck with mortgages. And um, But 30% of them uh, are even worse off. They, they're destined to go, they're so poor that they have to go to a landlord, and uh, which is even worse uh, because, uh, obviously, a landlord, you pay a landlord and, and, and he keeps all the bricks. So um, mm. that's, that's very unearned income and uh, very... Dust kind of business, really. That's that's a completely exploitative, and uh, that shouldn't exist in a, in a decent economy. But it's very quintessential to capitalism. And uh, but if you if you could provide everybody with an interest-free mortgage, if you, if you can pay rent, you can pay off an interest-free mortgage. It's as simple as that. Everybody can do this basic math, and uh, and and this is how a decent economy should operate, especially in this day and age, because. Usury came back into the Western economy 500 years ago after after a thousand years of interest-free economy uh, under the Catholic Church. But uh, there were reasons for that. And the key reason was that there was no uh, mechanism for the provision of interest-free credit. But nowadays, the provision of interest-free credit is a complete no-brainer. It's, it's very easy, very cheap to create interest-free credit with bookkeeping. Basically the same way that banks create money, but then without usury on the, on the debt. And, uh, you know, um, the West, the key political economic issue that the West face, uh, faces, okay, we have many problems, but the key uh, problem is our mega debt. Mm. And the funny thing about the mega debt that, that we have, because the West has four times GDP uh, in debt outstanding, the, the, the funny thing about the mega debt is that we have paid more interest on the debt over the last 25 years than we currently have debt outstanding. So the whole debt bubble is blown on the basis of usury. So usury is so incredibly important. And uh, and the only solution to, to uh, loans with interest is loans without interest. Mm. It, it's, it's very basic, but very important to understand. So um, I think that's interesting about, about um, the idea because the way that the people who do usury um, sell it is that, you know, it's inevitable. Uh, it's always been that way. Is that the only way that you can have a, a, pr a proper running economy? Because if the rich don't lend their money back into the the system and they make their you know their coin from charging you for renting their money, they, they sell you as if that's the only way that you can run a, a capitalist or a, you know a productive, prosperous economy. But like you touched upon there, is that. Uh, usury was outlawed in Christendom for a thousand years. So if that was the case, how was Christendom able to run as a really successful, um, prosperous civilization, building these incredible architectural marvels when there was no usury? And, and I think because they've got control over the narrative, and the propaganda is all-encompassing, isn't it? That uh, The alternative voices who are giving alternative ideas, like you are with the fluorine and interest-free currency, it's that it, it, the, the, the challenge is trying to be able to break the programming of the people we're trying to bring on board because they just don't even have a conception that you can have interest-free money because they're like, well, who's going to make any money out of that? Yeah. In, in whose interest is the interest-free money, <laughs> if you like? So yeah, what's your take on that? Yeah, let me get into that because these are really key points. Eh? So, uh, and, and and there was an issue in uh, in the uh, in the Catholic economy and also in Islam, because Islam also failed to provide interest-free credit. And this is really very key. What I'm going to say now, Lawrence, 
but uh, in the in the um, in the Catholic economy, uh, there was interest free. There was an interest-free economy yeah, because uh, usury was frowned upon upon heavily. Yeah, so there was really a mortal sin, and you wouldn't get a Christian burial if you took usury, etc. But uh, the result, the, the the and this was good that there was usury prohibition. But what was not good was that they did not provide a um, a mechanism to provide interest-free credit. There was no solution. And, there was so so there was a it was good that usury was prohibited but there was no liberal yeah. uh, mechan no mechanism of providing uh, interest-free credit liberally so there was the, the result of this was that there was credit scarcity in the economy and this was a very very real issue and you had people like francis bacon who was a freemason but uh, he used this issue to then say uh, we we must have credit and the rich won't land without usury, so therefore usury must be permitted. And Francis Bacon was one of the, you know, one of the most influential people of the of the 16th century in Britain, of course. And uh, and you had another figure who was uh, John Calvin, very important uh, figure in the 16th century, uh, who was behind Calvinism, which was the key religion of the key capitalist empires, which was first Amsterdam, then London, and then New York. All these, all these uh, empires were cap uh, Calvinist, Presbyterian in, uh, in Britain uh, and in the United States, but that's Calvinism as well. And uh, Calvin, he, he managed to say that usury, that he did not consider usury uh, forbidden among Christians. Which so really, it, was he the one that was responsible for ending the prohibition that had been in uh, Christendom for 900 years? Was it he broke the dam? Well, you know, um, he can't be blamed alone because uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it all started in Italy uh, under the Vatican in, in the 14th century and uh, 15th century already had Medici popes. So Medici was, of course, the banking family from uh, Florence, uh, from Florence. Uh, and uh, but... Um, um, and they were on 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 the, on the papacy. They they captured the papacy in the in, in the fourteenth fifteenth century, and um, and they you know started undermining usury prohibition. And then in, in, in Italy, uh, you had in those days you had a couple of very major banks, uh, and, and banking is the is the obviously the institution of usury and uh, but then it moved on to the north, and uh, Calvin played a very important role in undermining. The, the, the strong Christian rejection of usury. So, uh, yeah, he uh, was a major historical figure in that respect and undoubtedly uh, operated by the moneylenders from behind the scenes because that's how it works. You mentioned oh, um, Presbyterian. Yeah. Now, yeah, Presbyterian yeah. Is the, was the English version of Calvinism, is that correct? Yeah. Because William Patterson, the first governor of the Bank of England, was a Presbyterian yeah. Scot. Yeah, so yeah. it was like... Um, you know the, the Calvinists had set up the central bank in in Britain, and this happened after the Glorious Revolution, and that mm -hmm. was of course preceded by uh, that aborted revolution by Cromwell. Well, aborted, he killed the king, so uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. he had some success. <clears throat> but mm -hmm. uh, you know, Cromwell was <clears throat> he basically laid the um, foundation for what then transpired forty years later uh, under the Dutch uh, stadtholder. Um, 
William the Third for us and William the First for you, I think, or the other way around. Well, no, I think it was Will, William one for the Netherlands and uh, William three for. Because um, I the, mean, there's yeah. a really fascinating part of history, is that if I remember it correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, is that King Charles was opposed to usury, and provided the bulwark. Because yeah. because they first established the Whistle Bank in Amsterdam, correct? And that was giving the, the Dutch their empire to begin with. And the people who set that bank up had their eye on the prize, which was Britain. Charles was resisting all attempts for them to come in. <coughs> Excuse me. Charles was resisting all attempts to let them come in and ultimately met his demise, which is the only time regicide has happened in England. And then not long after, 40 years later, you know, they uh, they got what they wanted, and which was the charter for the Bank of England, and we've been in debt ever since. Yes, for sure. And uh, the Cromwell was financed by the same people that um, that were behind the Glorious Revolution and, uh, and a few years later, the founding of the Bank of England. But then, you know, let me get back to this really cr crucial point about uh, usury prohibition, eh? because uh, there was credit scarcity in the economy. And what happened next is that uh, banking came back on the scene yeah? because uh, they won the money lenders. That's what happened. And um, uh, then they started lending to businesses. Uh, and this was very important because uh, these businesses could then uh, invest. And, and, and create more production. And that is what we have seen on the capitalism, that the production did indeed started to grow. Is that but, because of usury? Because of the credit. Yeah. And this allowed for, uh, for investment. But what happened is that uh, the added value of the investment ended up with those providing the capital instead mm. of with those actually producing. Yeah, doing the work. Capital. Or a huge uh, rise in productivity, but the productivity all ended in the pockets of the moneylenders. And this, this is so incredibly important. And then uh, what should have been done, and which could have been done in those days already, if people had the, um, the awareness and the wherewithal for, uh, to, do, to, to do it, is, is, is to create interest-free credit. And this could have been achieved by pooling savings. This could have been achieved in this way because um, you were asking who has interest in uh, interest-free credit. Well, those paying usury. <laughs> mm. Those are the ones who have an interest in interest-free credit because they're, they're getting bled dry by usury. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I was talking about 100 billion in the Netherlands, but we have uh, 350 billion, no, 350 trillion. Uh, so 350,000 billion in debt outstanding worldwide. And that means that 5% or so uh, interest rates uh, we're paying anywhere between 10 and 15 billion trillion per year uh, in usury to the banks worldwide. So, you know, that, 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 that is a huge tax by the money classes on the uh, producing classes. So the producing classes have, a, and these are the 90%, uh, 90 to 99%, these have a very, very clear interest in interest-free credit. Mm, of course. I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, an important point about the creation of the Dutch Empire from Amsterdam, which didn't exist before the moneylenders arrived in Holland, set up the credit system, the usury-based credit system. Amsterdam boomed. Um, then they done the same operation in Britain. Britain boomed. And even went as far as creating the British Empire on the back of this, um, this system that they put in place. Um, and then, you know, the Federal Reserve came almost... At, 
next yes. in line, didn't it? And then we've seen this massive boom in um, American productivity. So there's something in this idea of that when they set up this credit system, it provides massive liquidity so that there is an abundance of money within the system, which creates the credit, that creates the productivity, allowing these great booms in, um, in uh, wealth and prosperity. But that comes at a price, doesn't it? Because what they're saying is, we'll provide you with all of the liquidity you want. We'll put all of the credit into the system. But when we want to pull it out, we're going to pull it out and it's going to be to our benefit. So it's on the one hand, it proves that um, a highly liquid economy with credit can cause these great periods of prosperity. Yes. But the, the 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 flip side is that it comes at a cost because these guys who have the monopoly on creating credit and creating liquidity do so at incredible costs because it's yes. not just the money they pull out it's the assets it's the policies that they're able to create and to be able to manipulate entire populations so do you think that we can achieve the same levels of liquidity and credit to create that prosperity but without the usury 100 yeah. Lawrence and this is this this is also you know you, you can get upset about the usury thing and I still get upset about it and you you know that I've been mm. talking about nothing else for 15 years now so <laughs> I still get pissed off when I think about it mm. but uh, but but that is you know anger about the situation as is but what we should also be focusing on is the immense opportunity that we have before us if we can refinance the economy interest free then people can enjoy uh, the wealth creation of capitalism without seeing all the wealth uh, being uh, transferred to the idle classes because these people mm. produce nothing eh? There's the, that, that's the sick thing of it all and um, um and, the, and the production can remain at the base with the people that do the actual work mm. it's as simple as that and and that is what interest free that is the real promise of interest free credit we can have all the production that we would ever want and we can have the production remaining at the base with the people that actually do the producing. So, um, but, yeah, but they sell it. They sell it as I mean, they sell it as this mysterious arcane thing, which essentially they have a monopoly over the creation of credit and liquidity into the economy. But they make it think as if it's this um, deeply arcane, highly skilled that you have to be a genius with numbers and crunching systems, and you have need to have all this money in the bank and um, they make it sound as if only they can do it, yeah. right? That only they can do it. They're the experts. But what you're proving is actually, you know, it's it's uh, cheap to do, right? Mm -hmm. And it's relatively simple and relatively easy that we can create our own interest-free currencies. And you're the proof of the pudding. Listen, uh, money creation is really the easiest thing that you can imagine. And, uh, you know, um, um, uh, you know the, the whole operation of it all is... You know, it's it's a lot of administration, and uh, you have to do credit clearing, and you have to do um, the collateral, and all these things. You know, so that, that's basically very boring work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm really not into this business because of that kind of work. But uh, um, um, so that, that that comes with some cost. Eh? But these costs are really only a minute fraction of the cost of usury, and um, and and it's all doable. You know, if if society realizes what is at stake, how they are enslaved by this money lending and these banks, uh, and, uh, and and you know, we all know that the banking, uh, that the new world order is the banking cartel. That's their main power base. You know, well, we we don't all know, but uh, you and I know, and. Mm -hmm. uh, 
than the other people. So, um, uh, and, and banking is the operation of lending at interest. That is what a bank does. And uh, we need to create institutions that provide interest-free credit so that um, there can be real democracy again, because we also all know that states are heavily indebted to, uh, to the money lenders and uh, the creditor is higher than the debtor. So uh, the creditor is more powerful than the debtor. So the banks own the state and not the other way around. And, um, and that's a complete destruction of democracy and makes democracy a complete farce. I mean, uh, we're completely under the boot of these bankers and creditors. And, uh, and that's a disaster that, that explains all the mayhem that we see, the lockdowns, the, the mass immigration, the poverty of the masses, the long working hours that we have, because we, we mentioned this last time, eh, but it, it, it merits stressing and that is that the, the, the common man in, in Britain in 1500 before banking came back on the scene in Europe worked 15 hour 15 weeks per year to feed his family and he had 200 holidays hmm. that's how we lived back then it feels like a long a long distant memory now though doesn't it because <laughs> and at the same time that you know the industrial revolution was promised as you know you won't need to work as long and technology is going to take over and you'll have more leisure time who was it was a keynes was a keynesian uh, economics is that yeah this whole push for more and more um, technology and mechanization and automate automate automation will free man up so that he doesn't have to work in the factories as long as he's uh, been working. And he can go back to his leisure and he can pursue art and philosophy. But the reality is, is we're working longer than ever before, even with all this technology. Yes, that's the way it is. And it's all pure Orwellian crap, you know. I mean, the only ones who, uh, who got freed up and, uh, and saw leisure were the very rich who were lending. So, uh... mm. Yeah, because, you know, when, um, you know, uh, musicians... For instance, the, the holy grail for musicians is to make a hit record and get the royalties, which they can live off for the rest of their lives. And, you know, it's interesting to the name, isn't it? Royalties, royalties is to you don't have to work anymore because you're receiving a payment forever. Right. You know, so that's what these guys are doing is they're um, able to get this monopoly over credit that they have, that therefore they're not burdened by uh, ideas of survival and they can just live a life of leisure on the backs of our labor. Um, how do you think that the, to get a monopoly, a monopoly has to be enforced with violence in order for it to be protected? Otherwise, you know, the people will rise up and say, hang on a minute, you're thieving from us, we'll take it back. How do you think these moneylenders are able to... Um, uh, exercise this monopoly over the people for so long uh, what what do you think the mechanisms are in place there well one is mind control eh? because um people adore the rich and this is a very sad state of affairs you know uh, they, they think the rich are successful and work hard i mean it's the biggest joke that you can imagine that the rich work hard this is the last thing that they want to do is work hard i mean that's for us you know but uh, uh, at any rate they're so-called successful and uh, people have People don't mind if you plunder everything uh, as long as you get rich and can show off uh, your bling, you know, and people will like you and think you're doing well. So that's a huge blindness in the masses and uh, uh, a really very grave problem with, uh, with spiritual awareness of the masses because um, it's a, a huge part of this is uh, spiritual in nature. But it's like, um, you know, we talked about this. Uh, sorry, go on. 
because uh, the, the second thing that I wanted to say is that um, that uh, creditors have a huge sway over uh, those to whom they lend. And uh, this is also the case with states. So they have huge sway of states. And uh, if, one, if one state rebels against their rule, then they can uh, uh, involve other states uh, to enforce their loans. And this and this is this is what they've written in their in their texts. The creditors have had their texts, and they've written about this in their in, in their books. And um, they they will simply say um, if 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 if, uh, if if this this or that country comes in, uh, is, starts rebelling against us, we will bring the guns of China or the U.S. or Japan against them. So um, yeah, well, we see that, don't we, with John Perkins, who wrote the. Confessions of an Economic Hitman, gave us a little glimpse behind the scenes. He revealed what's behind the curtain a little bit and explained how the CIA or the banking cartel, it's probably the same interchangeable term there, isn't it? Right, is uh, they would go into third world countries and offer these, you know, make them an offer they couldn't refuse in terms of these huge loans from the IMF and stuff. But the, the country taking the loan would have to stake actual physical real assets like the water supply or the electric supply or the taxes upon the people that would be the security in order for the loan then because they control interest rates right they would ramp up interest rates put the country into default they couldn't pay and then they had to transfer over the transfer the real assets it's like you know it's it's a simple game that they've been getting away with for a, a long long time because it's not just third world countries they do this and they do it here in this country they probably perfected the scam here before they exported it to these third world places yeah yeah for sure listen in the first place like i said the british common man um, um worked 115 weeks per year in, uh, in 1500 and and then in, uh, and now we, we're bad off as it is today but in, in 1900 your 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 men your 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 men in britain they were totally enslaved in these in these horrendous sweatshops and mines you know these these scottish lads that they sent to the uh, to the front in 1914 the scots were even worse off than the english uh, th these had to be beefed up because they were too em emaciated to fight against the germans from being and in the mines, they, they, they could—they were just enslaved in the mines and uh, what, ha what have you. Eh? So um, I mean, um, this gives you an idea. And Britain was then by far the richest country in the world. So mm. that, that's how beastly this capitalism really is, and, and, and what scum these uh, these so-called elites are. You know, I mean, they, they will starve you to death uh, just to, to enslave you and, uh, and motivate you to work. And, uh, and this is what happened. It's, it's still the same people rule. And um, yeah. Well, well, I think usury is the story of slavery, isn't it? And, and I know a lot of people talk about, oh, um, England set free the slaves and emancipation was, was granted, the chains were broken. But I think people miss the point here is that um, the, the slavers, the ones who are doing the usury, the ones who believe in slavery, that's their entire modus operandi, that is their ideology, it's what they live and breathe for each day, is how can we enslave the masses a little bit further today? What new techniques have we got to enslave them? Now, because binding a slave in chains is so obvious and it becomes the visual point of revolt and rebellion, um, it was given them more hassle than it was worth. And they give this idea that they emancipated the slaves, but they didn't. They just changed the mechanism from being physical bondage into debt slavery. And that one is even more powerful and more potent because most people can't see the chains that they're bound in. It's 
it's in the mind. Yeah. You know, so, you know, they work. Slavery didn't end. It just shifted the mechanism of control. Completely, completely. And this is what capitalism really is all about, Lawrence, and all the beautiful stories about free markets and uh, freedom and uh, yada, yada. <laughs> that's, that's really for the peasants. So uh, um, Yeah, because that's when, you know, we talk about freedom. Um, well, what does that mean? Well, for me, my definition is means freedom from slavery, yeah. means freedom from the bondage that these slavers, or also known as bankers. I mean, I think slave slavers and bankers are synonymous. They're the same term. They're the same word because they're enslaving people through interest and through through usury. Um, so, so yeah, that's. To, to add to that, in previous times, uh, you know, under the Roman Empire, for instance, and uh, and, and previously, you would get you you would uh, go into slavery if you could not pay your debts, which came with a very high interest. That's so there is a very hard and direct link between money lending and usury and slavery, very much so. Creditor data, you know, they're again the same terms, aren't they? But they've, they've been tweaked slightly to make them sound not as uh, serious as slaver and slave, you know, yeah. Um, okay, I could talk about this all day, but let's move on a little bit to um, the, the, the situation we find ourselves in right now, which is this um, constant drip through the media about this cost of living crisis, about inflation driving up the price of basic supplies like food, um, and the general, you know, the general benevolent news that everything's going to collapse. We keep hearing about an economic collapse that's coming, and I've heard it for a while now. I'm not sure when it, whether that's just part of the fear, um, but you've got an interesting take upon the debt bubble that we are in at the moment. Would you like to explain that to our audience and um, in, in terms that laymen like me could understand? Yeah, let me show you Pick because it's um, Pick says more than a thousand words. Eh? So uh, let me look that up very quickly. And uh, that's when um, the gold converted the gold window in the United States was closed. And since then, that has been growing with between six and eight percent per year over the last fifty years. And this goes on only until two thousand twelve here because it's interesting that it's hard to find uh, these graphs for later years and it's also difficult to make them because uh, these data are not so easily obtainable but um, uh, what you must realize is that we're basically way above my screen already in, uh, in 2022 so this has only uh, gone out of hand even much worse uh, and, and and this short dip that you see here uh, is the credit crunch 2008 and this is, uh, this is interesting because in 2008, what really happened in 2008 was that debt plus usury, interest on the loan, became unpayable. That's, that's what really happened in 2008. And since then, we had, we've had 0% interest rates in the entire West for 14 years. Wow. So that's, uh, you know, uh, that's uh, unique. If you look at 500 years of capitalism since um, a usury prohibition ended, then you will see that uh, interest rates in, in Europe have been around 5% uh, in, in, in long-term average. 14 years of 0% is just um, never unheard of. And uh, 
uh, that means only one thing that we were broke and uh, that we're all, that we've been on um, constant life support by the uh, central bank since then. But the uh, but this allowed debt to continue to grow. So it became debt plus interest became unpayable in two thousand eight, but debt itself could continue growing uh, until quite recently um, in. Um, in 2020, the next bust came. But um, um, what we have here now is four times GDP in debt. The, the US owes 90 trillion in debt. Here it says 60, that was uh, 2012. Now it is 90 trillion in debt. And um, US GDP is 23 trillion dollars. Uh, so uh, that, that's literally four times GDP um, uh, is, is total debt in the United States. And this debt is entirely unpayable. And uh, if, if, if you realize that if, if you have if your debt must grow with at least 6% per year, and the reason why it must grow is because um, if, if the debt doesn't grow, then we have immediate deflation. We need 6% money growth. Be, uh, otherwise, we have deflationary pressures taking over. And then you see that the economy uh, starts to falter and, uh, and falls into recession and even depression. So money must grow. And if it doesn't, there's recession, but if you if you if you if you have six, if if you have uh, ninety trillion in debt, and this must grow with six percent, that means that you must borrow five point four trillion in one year, just to keep your economy going, mm. and the U.S. economy is only twenty three trillion, so that's that's one quarter GDP that your debt must grow each year now. And that's six percent is conservative, but with eight percent, the numbers are even worse. So that means that we need to borrow five point four this year alone to keep the economy going. But if we have three percent economic growth in the United States, that means that the economy grows with about six hundred billion Lawrence. So there is six hundred billion in new economic activity if the economy grows with three percent. But we need to borrow five point four trillion to finance this growth. So when you said there the money supply must grow 6% a year, otherwise there's deflation. And just let's get into the weeds a little bit on that. Is it growing 6% in order to maintain the usury payments? Yes. And yeah, and then if if it doesn't grow 6%, then that means the usury payments still have to be paid, but it's taken liquidity out of the economy and therefore that causes deflation. Is that a, a correct understanding? That's completely correct. Uh, uh, the only thing that I have to add is that there is also economic growth. If you have 3% economic growth, your money must, must, must grow with 3% as well. Otherwise you have less money for more economic activity. So, uh, the, but these two things, the interest payments and the uh, economic growth need to be financed. And that's indeed what causes the, the what forces the money growth in the, in the West. And otherwise we have recession and depression. And you can see this very clearly. If M2 starts uh, dropping or uh, starts growing less than four, uh, 6% and, and drops to close to zero, then you immediately have mega busts. Like uh, you can see this in, 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 in 2008, but also previously with the dot-com bubble that busted and etc. So, so, so the 6% growth that is required for each uh, economy in the world is that that is the the whip that keeps the Western governments focused on finding ways to ensure that this 6% growth at least continues? And is this why we'll see them conduct these 
more and more desperate policies and more and more rape of the population because they've got to hit these targets because yeah. if they don't it goes into deflation the government collapses and all hell breaks loose is, is that kind of what's motivating these guys to do what they're doing you totally got it and this is and this is this is the driver you because behind all the insanity and <clears throat> This is uh, the, the people don't get this, but this is what is going on. And uh, uh, what we have now, for instance, is that uh, the banks are so powerful now uh, they they can dictate uh, governments because they they need so much money to keep the, uh, these economies liquid, and uh, they can just dictate. And one of the ways that they dictate is say, well, you have to keep uh, importing more people. There's a very direct direct link between this because they say we will give you the money, but you must do this or that. Eh? So uh, import these people. You must um, uh, tell your children uh, in school that they uh, need to be gender neutral. Um, uh, you can get money if you uh, invested in green energy instead of uh, fossil fuel, so-called. Uh, this is the kind of stuff uh, how the credit of, uh, that that the creditor forces on uh, on Western populations with this ever expanding need for more and more money, and it's also coming to an end now because uh, the, the numbers that I just showed you, you know, that, uh, that the United States must borrow 5.4 trillion to finance economic growth of 600 billion, that, that's, that's, that's completely unsustainable now and really at the end of the fiat system. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a, so, so, okay, that's, that's interesting. So it's, it's um, this constant need for growth can only grow so far because it grows above and beyond what can be produced physically yes. and you know there's no more countries to rape there's no more countries to pillage there's, yes. there's nothing left to keep this bubble this debt bubble that you're talking about going now what's on the other side of the the, the debt bubble when we can no longer pay default happens what comes next and how does that serve the bankers who are driving the debt bubble in the first place or are they just so consumed and intoxicated on this um, ever-expanding money supply and the, and the money and power that that brings it that they don't really um, plan for you know what comes on the other side of the debt bubble well let me first totally rebut the last uh, suggestion and <laughs> I, I know that you don't really mean that but that you're just asking it but uh, no they know exactly what they're doing and what they're doing is they are completely ruining the West and uh, the, the fact of the matter is people people still don't get where we're where we're at at the timeline but uh we are very close to world government and um the the final ascent of the new world order and its world government has begun with the lockdown basically and uh the, the lockdown was associated with heavy money printing as well to keep the, that bubble going for the last few years but um um what, the, what what what's coming next what's coming next now is that they're going to stop that growth and they're going to do this in, in various ways because they're going to force a new gold standard on uh, on the world and um, the fiat curve system was uh, was aimed at inflation eh? because we, we, we see the trend eh? that's inflation more and more money but uh, gold standards are used by the uh, banking cartel to create deflation and uh, they're both lethal uh, monetary diseases, eh? inflation with more and more debt, deflation leads to catastrophic depression and, uh, and, and, and a large-scale impoverishment. And what's coming next now is that this, um, let, let me go back to this, to this chart, because uh, we, we see this eternal growth, but that is going to be stopped 
with this gold standard. And they're going to do this with this gold standard that is being forced upon us by uh, both the um, the BRICS nations, eh? because they're, in, they're, they're planning on implementing a gold-backed and gold-based CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. That's what's next from BRICS, uh, especially Russia and China, of course, who run the BRICS. And, um, but also the ECB is going to back the euro with gold. So how does, how does that, sorry to, to interrupt you there, just if you, if you can explain how gold creates deflation, what's the mechanisms behind gold creating deflation? Because didn't we run on a gold back system for a long time and it was relatively successful? Well, um, let me stop sharing here again. But um, 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 well, successful, you can say successful, but let me tell you how successful it was for the bankers because uh, they installed, uh, the, the British economy was uh, was financed with tally sticks in, uh, during the medieval era and beyond. And uh, when the, the Bank of England was installed in uh, 1694, as we were discussing, uh, the first thing that the Bank of England did was create a gold standard. They installed a gold standard and um, they destroyed the, the old money supply of the British uh, Kingdom. The, 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 uh, there was a kingdom at the time and later on, under the Bank of England, it became an empire. But uh, uh, so they, they destroyed the um, uh, the tally tally stick. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what then happened is was a long term deflation in the British economy, which uh, which which did allow for um, uh, which which also redistributed very strongly from uh, from the uh, the working people to the rich because what happens on the deflation is that money becomes worth more, which is very pleasant if you have a lot of money, but it's not so good if you are in debt because the deflation increases the value of debt because money becomes worth more, the debt also becomes worth more. And um, uh, so there was a huge redistribution ongoing and, and this lasted over centuries. Um, um, uh, Lawrence and uh, this led to these extreme working hours that we saw in Britain in the in the latter days of the empire, say, eighteen eighty or so, eh, when the common man literally worked eighty to hundred hours per week just for sustenance. So, uh, mm-hmm. from fifty weeks per year to hundred weeks hours per per week. So that's what deflation caused in the European and uh, and, and British economies in those years. And um, but what it is going to create here is that it's going to end debt growth. And then we, we were previously discussing that the debt had, has to grow, the money supply has to grow at 6% per year to finance uh, economic growth and um, uh, interest payments. But then this, this, this can no longer be financed with extra money. So then the interest payment starts eating away at the money supply and this creates deflation. And this deflation next uh, means that uh, the debts will uh, grow in value and um, it will uh, lessen uh, economic activity. And if the economic activity starts lessening and it starts becoming less, then debts will become unpayable. The mega debt that we have outstanding will become unpayable. And then we will see more and more deflation because if the, if the, the, the debt becomes unpayable, then the money that was created with the debt also ceases to exist. And um, there will be more and more and more deflation and the whole debt will start collapsing because we also saw this with the crypto uh, holocaust uh, the last two years before, eh? that um, if, if uh, so, so they, they use their uh, collateral for these, these cryptos as uh, to, to loan among each other and then these debts could not be paid. And then the next also defaulted. Uh, 
And this is what the, what, what the great concern is that uh, within the financial system, once the start the default start, um, uh, if the one debtor can't pay, then the next can't pay also. And then next and the next, and it will start cascading throughout the entire financial system and the whole debt will implode. That is what is that is the great concern and the key cause of what is coming in the, in the, in the years ahead in the in the implosion of the debt bubble and and this will really it's unspeakable what this is going to do to the West. What's what we're seeing in the news frequently now is uh, in the UK at least is the Bank of England's announcement that they're going to run with CBDC. Is that the right? I forget the name. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in 2025, is that the British, uh, the, the Bank of England is going to launch digital currency. Um, yeah. And that seems to be what they're going to foist upon us. Yes. They're going to force it upon us. They're going to remove cash from the economy and they're going to be using digital cash that the Bank of England will control. Is this what's on the other side of the debt bubble? Is this the plan? And what does that mean? Can you give us a bit of insight into this whole new digital currency that they're trying to bring in? Yeah, this is an absolute huge consolidation that is going on in the banking cartel and uh, uh, the greatest depression, which I call it the greatest depression, which is coming as a result of the implosion of the debt bubble. That's really going, it, and it, I can't stress enough, huh? the destruction is going to be massive. Uh, we, we, we're going to see huge population decline in the West, throughout the West, especially in the U UK and, uh, and in America, if uh, all signs you know if the signs are uh, are correct um and uh, but also in europe and um uh it's going to be worse than soviet collapse uh, but there's also going to be a huge consolidation and uh, a, a huge um worsening of bank money tyranny because uh this this cbdc the central bank digital currency the, how they are going to implement it first is um if we can't pay our debts then the banks are going to go bust, and if the bank and the banks run the current payment systems, uh, if you if you transfer money uh, in whatever way, then it's this is operated by commercial banks, and if the if the, if the commercial banks cease to exist and, and are consolidated, and the debts are consolidated in states and central banks, etc., then uh, they will also lose control of the payment system. And then the central bank digital currency will be wheeled in as a solution to the problem that they created. Eh? Because problem, so problem reaction solution is always how they operate. They create the problem, the debt, then uh, the reaction default, and then solution um, CBDC. And uh, the CBDC will be a heinous tyranny because uh, this is pre-programmable -pro uh, money. And uh, they, the central bankers will start deciding on what you can spend your money and on what not. And uh, yeah, this is really very grim. And uh, you, you know what they want. Eh? We will own nothing and you'll eat bugs, etc., etc. That's uh, what they promise us. And uh, they're mm -hmm. not at all. And um, um, the way they're going to achieve this, because this is this is the key thing. People have been talking about these uh, these heinous lines by the World Economic Forum, but nobody is talking about how they're going to do it. And this is how they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, they will give you um, CBDC. 
and people will be forced into it because the payment systems of the banks are going to go bust, uh, are going to be destroyed. So people will have to pay. They will need the CBDC. Also, uh, there's going to be mass default in the West with mass unemployment, mass poverty. The government will uh, dole out a little uh, basic income via the CBDC, which you then can spend only with uh, major multinational corporations that are a part of the, uh, of the control system. And there you can buy your bugs uh, for sustenance. <laughs> I'll pass on the bugs. Thank you very much. Um, but I don't think it's all doom and gloom, even though it sounds like it is. I think in those type of situations, that's when um, cash becomes contraband, doesn't it? You know, actual physical cash actually becomes contraband. Eggs become contraband. But um, let's talk a little bit about solutions, because that's the master plan, the diabolical genius master plan by the banking cartel. Um, I don't think it's all going to go their way. I hope there's going to be some divine intervention. And, and what, what are your thoughts on solutions? Because I know the fluorine is a solution. You know, you're offering an alternative to this usury-based system of theft and slavery, which is interest-free cash that gives us liquidity, that gives us the ability to trade with each other on a much more efficient basis. And therefore, we can create prosperity without the cost of usury being on. So the fluorine is, is one solution. What, what, what other uh, ideas have you got? Because this is a white pill show, right? We talk about black pills, but we always talk about ways that we can combat it so that we're not demoralized, that we can take action in some way, shape or form, even if it's only little steps. So give us a little bit of your white pill, Anthony. Well, you know, um, there, there's both. Eh? So uh, I will give you the white pill, but um, uh, the black pill is re really very real. I mean, uh, people, you know, and the reason why I, I come with the black pill is because I want to motivate people to prepare. I'm not against the black pill. I think it's reality. And I think it's important that we talk about those things. But yeah. at the same time, we've always got to think about, okay, well, regardless of what's coming, what, what actions yeah. can I take to prepare so that when it comes, it doesn't hit us as hard and that we can react accordingly because we've thought about these scenarios in our heads. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, the black pill is, is, is the scenario of the bankers. We need to deal with it. And um, there, are, there are many steps that we can take to prepare for and, uh, ourselves and our loved ones uh, for what is coming. And uh, the, the first thing is to, to know the problem and uh, to understand the grimness of the situation. The next step is to, 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 to start preparing. And, and there are a number of key issues. In the first place, the commercial banks are going to go bust. So if you have savings in the bank, then you're unprepared. And uh, what they're going to do is when these banks go bust, there are no, there's no, going to be no more bailouts because in the last bailout that we had in 2020, we saw uh, inflation going totally through the roof. And this is the reason why they can't print more money. So they can't bail out the banks anymore. And uh, the next, uh, what was going to happen next is bill-ins. So the banks are going to uh, confiscate deposits and that's uh, how they're going to cover uh, their own losses. And um, Where so would you, you suggest people put their assets that are in banks then? Where's the safe spot? Yeah, you need to get out of the bank. That, that, that's, the key, that's a key step. So if, you, if you're a pensioner, if you have some investments in, in, in the bank, also paper markets, like uh, don't buy any crap on the stock exchange, all that stuff. Liquidate all that paper-based value. You need to get out of the paper-based uh, speculative economy. And uh, the best thing to do is buy some silver. Don't buy crypto. You, we've seen what happened to crypto uh, when the Fed started deflating. Uh, the crypto lost 90% 
of its market capitalization. And, uh, you know, many people were, were just burned very heavily by, uh, by the crypto uh, demise. So what you need is silver and not gold. I'm not not against uh, the, the, the what is coming is gold standard. So gold is definitely going to appreciate hugely in the years ahead. But uh, I think there is a significant chance of gold confiscation. That's mm -hmm. the main concern. And uh, uh, silver is the poor man's gold. So um, and there won't be uh, will not be part of the monetary heart of the new financial system. But it uh, it is very strongly related to gold, and it's also a good store of value. So if you have some savings, buy silver. That's really very important. Next, um, lower your cost of living. All this bullshit that people are now used to, you know, uh, thinking that you can get. People are so stupid you know they get themselves injected to uh, to be allowed into the mcdonald's and, uh, and and go on a vacation okay people listening to this show will be uh, wiser than that lower your cost of living do not blow away the little funds that you have now on um on, on, on stupid consumption start saving start living a frugal life lower your cost of living lower your debt and um, um okay you know you can also uh, just uh, default on that. I mean, uh, if you, but then, of course, uh, you, you will have to deal with uh, debt collectors, etc. So um, find your way in that. Uh, that's that's for everybody. I can help with that if anyone needs help with that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You have experience with that. And that's yeah, right. yeah. But lower your cost of living and um, uh, start start doing some savings so that you can put away uh, a bit of silver left or right uh, to, to, because the, 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 that for a rainy day that's got and there's going to be plenty of rainy days in the years ahead so do that and um third uh, become far less dependent on um major outlets you need to stop buying from multinationals and i'm really very serious about this even if they are more uh, if they're more cheap eh? if, if they're cheaper than uh, than a small and medium business you need to stop buying from multinationals for many reasons in the first place these are the power base together with the banks of uh, finance of the world economic forum of uh, the new world order because the new world order is is about capitalism capital finance these are the new world order types and 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 they are taking our life force and we are bringing it to them and we need to stop that so we need to buy with local business local business are our neighbors uh, try to find people that you uh, can relate to, that you can trust, um, and, and start buying from them. You need to reroute your uh, supply chains to local suppliers, farmers also very much included. Here in Holland, we have parallel economy. It's happening everywhere. Uh, uh, people who know what is coming, who have a basic idea of what is coming, because you need to become less and less dependent on the system, because otherwise you're going to be forced into the CBDC, and that's when they have got you by the balls then they will uh, blackmail you with um, with your with your need for food and, uh, and 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 the most basic essentials of life, and that's uh, and that's what you need to avoid. You need to have uh, provisions from sources that you can rely on and who have a similar outlook on life as yourself. And you do not want to be blackmailed and become uh, come under the thumb of um, of the power grab that is coming. Because th these people, what they have in mind for us, they are going to debase us until we are bugs ourselves. Okay, so if you want to do that, then keep buying with multinationals and keep your money in the bank and keep voting. But if you do not want that, then you need to disconnect from the system and reroute your supply chains. 
Awesome. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then fourth, yeah. um, um, if you have energy left, <laughs> do what I do, start a local currency. Because what we are facing is a deflation that you cannot even begin to, to, to grasp. And what we need is local money in the local economy because you can buy silver as a, uh, as a, a store of value, but silver is complete trash money. It's a, the, a specie, gold and silver is bankster money and it creates deflation. Once you spend the silver coin into circulation, it is going to be gone forever. It's never going to return to you. But if you spend a florin or a local currency that you create into circulation, that money keeps circulating in the local economy. Nobody is going to save a, a local currency, but everybody is going to get rid of it as quickly as possible because it's, it's, it's soft money, but they can only spend it in the network, which is a network of people that that have similar outlooks on life and who you want to work with and it stops the drain of usury it creates new liquidity in the local economy while we have a huge deflation ongoing yeah, which is a, sh a money shortage uh, and and you can save assets with uh, silver but you cannot but you must not spend silver you must use silver to, to uh, for instance as a collateral for an interest-free loan in a local currency that's how you need to go uh, to use your silver one uh, once the day comes. If you have this energy left, there's no nothing better that you that you can do to help uh, your uh, your brethren than starting a local currency. Awesome, that's a fantastic plan and really well delivered and explained. Um, so so let's wrap up now. But as we do, let's talk about that final point in those four pillars that you've just shared with us which is about starting your own local currency it sounds difficult on the face of it but the reality is is that your system the florine which is built upon mutual credit and mutual credit being a really simple way of people trading amongst each other in an interest-free economy but your innovation which is the florine is um also um uh, transferable you can people who are interested in setting up their own uh, local economies or local currencies after listening to this podcast as well is that if they want to set up something similar to the florine you're prepared to um share the technology that you have invented and created with the florine so people can in a way franchise the florine into their own local community and start a network in that manner tell us how people can do that yeah, so uh, the, 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 the issue here is that um, local currencies are good, but um, um, the basic architectures for these currencies are often, well, always lacking. And, um, the, you know, I've been um, into monetary reform for 15 years and I very deeply investigated all these currencies. And uh, I came into this business because I'm a hardcore anti-banker man. And uh, I've always been um, looking for the final solution for usury. And this is uh, not the case uh, with, um, with many monetary reformers. They are half-baked. And uh, the, the currencies that are out there, the monetary architectures that are out there are half-baked. And the key issue is, the, the, the core issue, is that there are two basic architectures and the one provides for currencies that are convertible and others is that, um, uh, that they can provide interest-free credit, but they are not convertible. And these two uh, beasts exist. Uh, but they um, are both incomplete because we need currencies that can provide interest-free credit that are also convertible because both functionalities are really very fundamental. And then you have uh, then you need another 
couple of best set of best practices that are, that I've also very clearly described on my website and uh, that are all part of the Florijn and the talent and uh, the, the, the talent is what I call the basic architecture um, and uh, which you can use uh, to implement currencies like the Florijn which are very complete they are convertible they are provide interest-free credit they are uh, ready for paper-based money smartphone payments um, um, online transfers uh, webshop integration um, they are legal which is also very important because i've had problems with the dutch central bank in the past but um, uh, the, the system that i've devised is not illegal and therefore it is legal uh, because anything that is not forbidden is uh, is allowed that's a basic uh, legal concept so um um this these are the key issues that uh, that, that, that the florin and, and the talent have solved and uh, indeed we are willing to work with serious people don't call me if you're just uh want, want, want to waste my time on a nice chat i mean i'm too busy for that but um if if, if you are if, if if you if if you're serious about this then yes i can coach you in uh, in implementing the system and uh, i do this with uh, with several people at the moment uh we're going to uh, expand uh, our franchise with uh, with two networks, one in the Netherlands, one in Ireland, Fantastic. and I'm also uh, with a couple of people in uh, in Australia who are very serious about uh, um, building building something. And uh, I do uh, charge some costs for the website, but that's simply because it, it involves uh, programmers who need to to create it for you. But it's not for profit, and uh, I, I'm definitely not going to get rich from this, uh, Lawrence. Nobody has to worry about that. But it also creates a small threshold because I can't waste my time on people with good intentions, but not um, the wherewithal and uh, and the fortitude to to, go, to move on uh, with this. Because obviously, uh, you need a bit, bit of balls and a bit of energy uh, to mm -hmm. get this going. So, um, but yes, I'm uh, I'm willing to work with these people. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Um... So if people want to find you, Anthony, where is the best place to contact you and look into it? Realcurrencies.wordpress.com is my website. That's where you can read all my articles about interest-free economics, about uh, false economic paradigms, uh, about the, the, the uh, current financial crisis. And um, um, the Florijn is www.betalenmetflorijn.nl but that's Dutch of course but uh, that's also I'll post yeah. the link <laughs> yeah and, and you got Twitter as well yeah, I, I post mostly on in Dutch uh, because you know previously I was always internationally uh, oriented, uh, Lawrence. But uh, since the lockdown, I realized I need to focus on the Florijn now. So I've been tweeting a lot in Dutch. But uh, you can use Translate if you want to follow my comments on the economy, which are uh, well state of the art. So uh, cool. Um, yeah, um, I highly advise um, Anthony's blog. Brilliant, educated me deeply over the years, giving me great insight into the whole bank and scam, usury, you know, economics and uh, what's happening with the monetary supply. So yeah, I highly advise that. Uh, thanks once again for coming on. Hopefully this is gonna be a semi-regular occurrence where we can get the latest update, the latest black pill from Anthony Michels. <laughs> and uh, also we can talk about these great solutions, especially how individuals can take control of their lives, can take control of their communities by setting up your own local uh, currency. It's possible, it's simple, it's cheap, and it's you know within reach of everybody. And I might have a little go of it myself. We'll see how it goes. But um, Anthony, thanks again. I'll speak to you soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Lawrence.